Creative Brain Candy by creators for creators. My favorite Super Bowl performance has always been Prince. That was a good like, one. When Prince played in the Super Bowl, it started raining when he played Purple Rain. Yeah. Oh my God, was that, that was phenomenal. Convenient. But then J-Lo and Shakira, I thought, oh, that, dude. Dude, I thought no. the building was going to burn down. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man, I remember just looking and just being like, how... How have they not aged? Like, especially Shakira. Like, I was like, she, what, she's how old? She looks like she's 20. It's, I mean, it's it's almost criminal. No, it's absolutely criminal. Oh, man. No, yeah. uh, I was going to say, on a slightly more, like, uh, humorous note, someone who really should have aged more but hasn't, Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just, I mean, he looks great. Like, for a guy who's done that much drugs. Yeah. Well, you know who else has aged pretty well is Dave Grohl. And I am Dave Grohl. What? I know. <laughs> always be yourself. Unless you can be Dave Grohl, then always be Dave Grohl. <laughs> Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day, and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkonomics, two bartenders, who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business, are going to sit down and drink to the global economy, and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. <clears throat> Welcome back to Drunkonomics, everybody. So glad you could join us if you are joining us, but if this voice is falling upon your ears... You've definitely for, joined us. Yeah, for or, whatever reason. Or whoever's in the car next to you is just really, really? going to town on the volume, so yeah, props to them. Exactly. And if you're suckered into listening to this podcast... Then, uh, you know what? Well, first of all, I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I don't know. That. So, but, yeah. Yeah. My name is Aaron, one of your co-hosts here on Drunkenomics, sitting alongside my favorite drinking buddy. Hey, guys, it's James here. So uh, his, his name is James. It's true. He's not lying. I'm I'm not. Some of my parents tell me maybe they lied. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> yeah. I was meant to be like a Ralph or something. Dude, so like, you know what it makes me think of? Like, I have a twin brother. What if he is Aaron and I'm Nate? And we've been living a lie a this lie. whole time. Oh my God. You're both committing identity theft. I know. Like, what <laughs> if Aaron Wong is the physical therapy, the DPT graduate, and Nate Wong is the MBA? Wow. That's, <sighs> man. Yeah, but don't think too hard about that because we need you for the rest of this episode, yeah, James. I know, that's a good point. <laughs> I can't get too philosophical. Yeah. I guess first thing I'll do is I'll give a shout out to, um, Chase. to our boy Chase. Uh, your gift has arrived and I am enjoying every, uh, every sip yeah, of it. Yeah, dude. So Chase, by the way, I literally showed up to the bar as I opened your message the Drizzly guy walked in the door and I was like, hey, are you Drizzly? And I was like, I got to take a picture of you because I got to send it to my boy Chase. <laughs> For those of you who are out of this joke or whatever. I don't know if it's a joke. This is a very, it's a joke. It's a delicious one. It's a very delicious joke. But if, for those of you that are with us, our boy Chase on Instagram sent us a very nice gift. He sent us a bottle of Buffalo Trace Single Barrel and Michter's Rye, which if you've listened to our show before, we've talked several times about Michter's Rye and how awesome it is. And we've said uh, Buffalo Trace is my personal favorite bourbon distillery in America. I think they definitely have some of the highest quality. Yeah, I mean, they have like Buffalo Trace owns like all of my favorite bourbons. So they own Eagle Rare, it's Eagle, Taylor, Eagle, Taylor Weller. Plans. They do own Weller, don't they? Yeah. And Rock Hill, can't forget Rock Hill Rock Farms. Hill Far- well, Rock oh, Hill Farms. Oh, man. Delicious. If you yeah. ever are out and about and you see Rock Hill Farms, get a bottle. Get that bottle. You get you're it. You're drunk enough, buy a bottle. I don't know when you're going to see it again. I can tell you it is. I think we had a bottle that lasted maybe three days yeah. here at the lounge. You know, and, and they can, also own like they also own Pappy, which is the world's most expensive bourbon. Yep. And Bang for Buck, Eagle Rare, hands down, my favorite. I, each each is a buck, close second. Bang for Buck Buffalo. Yeah, but that's like if you're really banging the buck. Well, that's you know? true. Okay, okay. For <laughs> everyday drinking, 
you're not going to beat Buffalo. Dude, literally, spend eight dollars more, and you get a bottle of Eagle Rare. Yeah, but you don't feel bad when you kill it. Yeah, I, guess, I guess it's true. Every time I finish a bottle of Eagle Rare, it's like God, I'm out of Eagle Rare. I finished the bottle of Buffalo, and I'm like, hey, I filled that kill. Yeah. A twenty and a five. That'll get me another one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. anyways, uh, moving into uh, questions, we have some questions we should have answered last week that uh, we're getting around to right now. The first one comes from my dude Mitchell Babiuk. Dude, I'm so sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. B a b i u k is his last name, or the second part of his Instagram handle. Yeah, well, so, I mean, enough. the question's what matters. Yes. I mean, okay. Anyway, he'll know who he is. Uh, first of all, good luck on getting your CFA, man. Seriously. Oh yeah, no. not an easy task. Good on you, man. If you get it, man, don't forget about us. <laughs> but uh, he wanted to uh, he wanted to know what we thought about. Um, Bigger companies gobbling up smaller companies. He says, just curious what you think will happen with acquisitions after the pandemic. Seems like smaller companies current relying on government assistance could start getting eaten up if consumer spending doesn't increase soon. So uh, I think the climate will certainly be good for that. You know, you, you know, just because there's there's like low pressure and hot water doesn't mean you're going to get a hurricane. But I mean, the climatic conditions, I think to see bigger companies coming in like that is definitely going to be yeah, and like, um, how do you value, primed. Yeah, and like how do you value these companies? You know, if you... If you look on yeah. cash flow methods, I mean, well, they're not gonna, worth very much, are yeah, they? And then, how do you forecast the rest of the cash flows with you know, no one knows if we're reopening or reshutting down and then reopening? Yeah, so. I mean, the idea that they would buy full companies, I think, is I don't know. I, I think it'll probably it'll probably look a lot more like maybe what what Berkshire did yeah. with that acquisition of Dominion's. Um, just buying their certain assets. Yeah, certain assets, certain sectors of them out. So because yeah. because Dominion or Dominion sold their so uh, ten billion dollars of. Ass of their yeah, assets. but it was their natural gas storage and like transportation right. like businesses, which you know, well, like I, if you if Warren Buffett had tried this move six months ago, I mean, he he would have gotten a lot less out of his ten billion. Well, if he, he tried did, it, you know, if he if he tried ago. it two months ago, he might have gotten a hell of a lot more. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, but, but, no um, one, but that's the thing. No one like how do you forecast anything right now? Why well, is the interesting thing because Warren? Um, and this was and this is an old letter that Warren Buffett sent out because my stepdad's a stockholder, and so I read. I can't afford. Bird. Sure. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, yeah. So uh, he had this thing, and he was talking about kind of um, it was 2008, then 2011, some of the other stuff, and um, and risks. And he said, you know, the stock market currently is like driving down the road in a really bad rainstorm. You've got your windshield wipers going, and you're hoping for the best, and then you got people in the back seat looking out the back of the car, going, "Hey, you missed our turn." That's it's one of those things where he's like, you know, if you're looking backwards, it's a hell of a lot easier than looking forward, especially when it's just chaos. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna. I think it's gonna be kind of more like, and I think. We were talking, I said vultures in a boneyard. Yeah. I think you're probably going to see more bankruptcies and then you're going to see the big companies come in to buy up assets yeah. as opposed to just buying out the corporation as whole because it'll be cheaper and they won't have to acquire the debt. Yeah, I don't know. I I think because when smaller companies are desperate, they're willing to kind of sell out. Have you? Uh, so have you ever seen the Thomas Crown Affair? I have not, dude. And I, I love haven't Paul seen Newman. either of them. So no, there's there's the original one with um, Paul Newman, mm-hmm, and then there's a se- the second one with or with um, Pierce Brosnan. Whoa, really? Yeah, they remade. So in the original one, it was um, that wasn't Paul Newman, was it? No, no, Steve, Steve McQueen. It was Steve oh, McQueen. Shoot, in wait, the, really? Yeah, Steve. Uh, wow, I, that. Well, mm. no one's as cool as Steve McQueen. Hey, Pierce Brosnan is cool. Yeah, he but, ain't as cool as Steve McQueen. No. So the first one <laughs> is Steve McQueen, and then the remake is Pierce Brosnan. But then there's an episode. There's a part of in the remake, and uh, 
Roslyn goes in as Thomas Crown and he buys up this company and does it with some hardball. And then he goes in and he gets in the elevator with his stat, with his, his senior guys. And they're all laughing hysterically. And, um, one of them starts to say like, you know, it's just like, you know, I thought they would have stuck to their guns a little bit longer yeah. and gotten a little more money out of us. And Thomas Crown just kind of, and you know, Pierce Brosnan just turns and just goes, and I forget exactly the quote, but then after the end, he just goes, you know, second generation company, you think they would have shown a little more grit. I think that's going to be kind of the question for desperate small businesses that you'd think they're going to, sh- you'd hope they'd show a little more grit, but I don't think they're gonna, I think well, they're going to be, I think they're going to be between a rock and a hard place. And I think that the problem is that while banks and the fed are more than happy to loan at very low interest rates to these big, big companies, they're not willing to to extend that same hospitality to main street. And I think that it's, yeah. well, I think they're trying, but they don't know how to do well, it. Well, they don't know how. And exactly. Well, they don't. Let me phrase it. They don't know how to do it and make a profit. And I think they're trying to do it from like the trickle down effect. Well, the problem is the trickle down effect doesn't work. I, I know, I know, I know. But I'm, I, but I'm just saying, like they're trying to start with the bigger companies and then say, like, hey, you guys take care of this money. You guys, you guys loan this money. Yeah, they out. expect they expect the, the the large firms to steward their wealth in a way that helps their smaller competitors. And that's the issue. Is like if you if you put the bully in charge of of like the food at a buffet i can guarantee you that that he is not giving like the best stuff to the smaller kids right. well, unless he know. doesn't like yeah, it well, i don't know I, th- I i think it's it's tough to predict but because no, no one knows anything about what's going on right, right. now. right so. i i think what, what i mean is like the climatic conditions they will be primed to see that whether yeah. we will or won't i don't know yeah. but i think it'll be skewed towards it's it's very likely yeah Let's put it that it's way. definitely possible so anyways moving on to our next question it's not really a question but it kind of is so we have a friend on instagram named nick amato one i think that's nick amato uh, one yeah dude i'm sorry if i'm saying it wrong but anyways uh first of all he, he addressed this by saying hey righteous blokes so uh, good on automatically you, mate. cool dude yes yeah, good um, on you mate yeah finance major in chicago so also you know pretty drunk and amical. Uh, he says, as Chicago is the home of options, I'm focused on options and think it's incredibly, it's an incredibly deep part of finance and economics and you guys should explore stuff like cover calls, straddles, maybe worth diving into deeper. And then he goes on and on for a while and uh, says some nice things about our podcast, which I appreciate. And then it says, and of course, as soon as I send you this question, your last episode is about Well, we've got one little subsection so, of options. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so man, like, here's what I'll tell you. Uh, there are plenty more weeks in this year, hopefully, yeah. uh, where we will be able to uh, dive and delve deeper into different option strategies. Yeah. And like, I'm so fascinated with that. I love derivatives. I don't know why. It's because you didn't uh, take calculus. <laughs> I did take calculus. Bro. You took business calc. You didn't take. No, I took calculus in high school. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Last time I took calculus. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, like I don't know. Der- like derivatives, it's, it's a beast. But well, it's easy know. once you get once you realize what you're doing. Yeah, but, but like well, the, problem, like, the problem is derivatives. Like as you see, there's they're partial derivatives, and you're like, what? The yeah, hell? no. But like you know, when in terms of like option strategies, like when you just cover calls, it means you you have a hundred shares of a certain stock and you're selling calls on that stock. Because like, if you don't have the hundred shares, if I don't have a hundred shares of Facebook and I sell you a call, I sell you a call at 200. Okay. I don't know what the actual stock is, but if I sell you two Facebook, 200 calls and then the stock goes all the way up to $500, I have to go out and buy hundred shares of Facebook and sell it to you at $200. But like I'm losing $300 a share because I'm buying it for $500. But if I already have the shares, then I'm not, I, I just, I make back the premium. I miss out on the extra $300 of profit, but I make the premium. Yeah. I think that's essentially the mechanism of covered calls. Covered puts are the same thing. Covered cover calls, naked calls, covered puts, naked puts. Um, straddles, I think is just a, 
from what I know, you see on both top, sides of it. Yeah, off the top of my head, is you taking advantage of, of volatility. So you think a stock is going to move one way or another. So you buy call, buy a put. If it moves beyond that strike price, either direction, then you're good. Uh, you're going to make your money back. But the premiums on straddles, from what I know, are very expensive. Don't quote me on that. That's just well, yeah. When you cover your up and down, yeah, it's it's gonna be pricey. Yeah, I mean that's just a hunch. So the thing is, I, I don't know much about options. Um, I'm trying to learn. There's a book coming my way about options. Hey. So and if uh, Pete and Jaren, if you ever hear this and you want to come on Drunkonomics for some reason, absolutely, you're more than invited. Yeah, I would love nothing more than that. Uh, we could talk about options, talk about uh, the ways you can mitigate risk, the ways you can take advantage of certain trends in markets. I don't know. I don't know that much about options. I want to learn. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, in my next life, I'm going to be a derivatives trader. <laughs> I don't know. My next life, I'm going to be a trust fund kid. Yeah. I think that'd be nice. I think, I, I think if this, if the podcast works out and if I were, and if I do kind of what I expect, like what I want to do, I think my next life, I, can, I have earned a break. I've earned some time off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of time to sleep when I'm dead, right? God, dude, you're such an old man. So yep. yeah. Long story short, man, uh, we're going to talk more about options. This is not, though, that will yeah, not be the only. That was not the only episode. Yeah. It was and just convenient. It synced up with, so it, was, it was something we were interested in. And then we had kind of, it was some kind of close to home, obviously, that yeah. we, we felt and, we needed to address. Right. Yeah. And Nick, you righteous bloke, if you ever get curious, we have a YouTube channel. I did a video on the bull put, bull spread? put, the bull put spread. So just go to YouTube, type in Junkonomics. Hopefully my channel shows up. I don't know if it will because, I mean, I don't have a huge following on YouTube yet, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Um, so yeah, check it out. Uh, if you see something scr- gl- glaringly wrong about it, please let me know. Okay. Like, please yeah, let we, me know. Yeah, we okay. really don't want to be the wrong guys. Yeah. Sure. I said we even don't want to be. I didn't say though, that we even weren't. Use, even though we used to say, are, I said we didn't want to be, not that we weren't. Yeah. But uh, moving on, one last question. It's not really a question. It's um, it's more of just like a idea for an episode. Sure. A guy named Rogers wrote R-O-D-G-E-R-S dot world said some nice things about our podcast, which I appreciate. And then goes on saying, if we could do an episode about retirement plans and, you know, one day we, we will. Should. I just want you to know. One day we'll talk about like IRAs, 401ks. Oh yeah, MPIs. we'll talk about the different tools, the different investment tools. It'll probably yeah. be a multi <clears throat> a multi episode thing because we'll talk about strategy, like the different strategies during yeah, your lifetime and how to get them set up. You know, mm-hmm. tax incentives, tax right, yeah. tax burdens, and the importance of FAs, identifying goals, oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So you know, no, having in mind what you want to do, like what you want to have in place for retirement, because yeah. that's and and this and kind of the stranger when I ask this is strange, but the um. Maybe the concerning thing is that generally speaking, when you first get that real job, that's something, this is something that you need to, like, you know, you graduate college, you, or you get out of university, you go to that, that first career gig, it's probably around the time you need to start identifying that. Right, exactly. Like, but anyways, uh, I don't want to talk about it for too nope. long because we've been answering questions for quite some bit. time now. And uh, I think it's time to move on to our main topic of the night, which we decided like two days ago, or maybe not even. We decided. We decided seven months ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We we decided we're going to talk about Hong Kong, Hong Kong food, man. Hong Kong food. A little preface on this. So, Drunkonomics actually started because James and I. James was working. I came into the bar and I was like, "Bro, what's going on in Hong Kong right now? What are all these protests about?" And then we started talking about the economic implications of Hong Kong possibly leaving. Or sorry, uh, we talked about. We talked about that too, but yeah, we talked about. Yeah, we talked about the possible economic implications of what would happen to the global economy if Hong Kong became actually a part of China. Yeah, if twenty forty seven happens before twenty forty. Before 2047. Yeah. And 
you know, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. And we'll have to explain why 2047 is important because we're yes. going to have to give a little history lesson on Hong yes, Kong. Yes, exactly. But, you know, but we started talking about it and then other people started like yeah. huddling around our conversation. And then I was like, dude, we need to start a podcast. It really this is. It really is that ago. simple. It was, it, it was, it, we had that conversation. And then actually, I think for the next two or three nights, we I had, coming in. we had continuations of that conversation and, and, and other conversations. We talked about Brexit. We talked mm-hmm. about interest rates. We talked about the oh, Fed. Yeah. We talked yeah, about yeah. so many different things. And at things. one point, Aaron, just like we need to I, need, I need to record this. Yeah, <laughs> we need to record like, this. We need to, yeah. So and um, and I'll be and, 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 folks, and, and a dream was born. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, and you're a part of it. But uh, about Hong Kong, where should we start? Should we start? Should we start 1997 or should we start before that? Let's we'll start a little bit before 1997. Okay. So Hong Kong is currently a semi well theoretically is a semi-autonomous city um city state similar city to singapore state. just off similar. of just off of mainland china it was until 1997 a british colony yeah. so before 1997 it was a british colony it was a british colony it existed with very western style um laws land rights property infrastructure, rights infrastructure you may or may not have noticed uh, there's at least one james bond movie that takes place there mm-hmm. um i think it was a i think it was a roger moore one was it, was it really? there's a roger moore one and then there's also um a pierce brosnan where he shows up in Hong Kong. Oh, I haven't seen him all. Uh, there's freaking, there's like 28 installments. Dude. Yeah, I think it's Die Another Day is the one where, where Pierce Brosnan shows up in Hong Kong. Um, but Anyways. So, what happened is the, um, the British Empire decided to involve itself in China because they could, and um, <laughs> they wanted to. And well, so, because didn't their involvement start like oh, after well, one they, of the world wars? No, 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 long before then. Um, uh, opium wars and such. But oh, that's the right. issue. That, okay. So in the end, what happened is um, Britain signs a lease that expired in 1997 from uh, from the government of China at the time, and Britain figured. As, as why why wouldn't you when you're the global superpower we can renew the lease yeah. it won't be a big deal and what's China gonna do they can't stop <laughs> us they're gonna want our money and it'll be fine jokes on them I suppose yeah. so 1997 so 1997 so we we both to the early 90s and um, it gets to okay. the point where it's very clear that China the the communist China is not going to accept a renewal an extension of that lease. And so, and how, how is Hong Kong feeling? How are the people of Hong Kong feeling? Well, very about- nervous. The population of New Zealand increased substantially when the handover occurred because a lot of people so did not want to be citizens of, of China. Uh, they wanted to remain part of the empire. So, or rather, the Commonwealth at that point. Yeah. So they left. So a lot went to Canada, a lot went to New Zealand, a lot went to Australia, Singapore. They left in droves. And I think we're probably about to see another exodus. Sure, but let's stay in the '90s for now. But so stay in the '90s. And so one of the important, so so two critical things happen before the handover. And here they are. So the first one. Well, is, I remember. The, I remember one of them was like because I, I I don't know who the prime minister was in in the '90s, but he was like the Chinese. Well, it was people John Major belong, at the time? Yeah, and he was like the Chinese people belong to, to China. They should be Chinese, right? Or whatever. I forget what um, his he, words were. Yeah, it exactly. was something to that effect. But but he did. Um, the, the, so essentially they extracted in the final few months a one country, two systems promise yeah. that Hong Kong would be self-regulating, self-governed for 50 years. 2047, folks, that's where that yeah, number so comes ni- from. 1997, 50 years later, 2047. And during that time, there was, well, I'll be honest, I think the expectation was that if we could destroy the Soviet Union in 50 years... It wouldn't take that long to do the same thing to China yeah. once the Soviet Union had fallen. They just, oh, let's do the same thing. Of course, and, and, and there's no, there's no denying that that was one of the UK's goals. Was you know, hopefully China will come to its senses, be like, okay, this doesn't work. You know, yeah, there's, there's or, probably or, or the citizens don't like this, right? So. There, would, there would be some expectation of that, and also that um, Hong Kong would 
kind of be the model and guiding light for Western system in China. Right. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like look how look how well if Hong it, Kong if it works is there, it doing. Can work, if it works and, there, it can work here. Yeah. So that's the one thing. So that China would not essentially interfere with internal Hong Kong politics for fifty years. Now, this obviously did not work for Beijing, and basically, the second they got control, they started doing everything in their power to start to undermine it. They just started slowly. Yeah. Okay, but let's but let's not get into now, that yet. Because, now, part two okay. is that there was a um, there were laws passed that refused to allow extradition from Hong Kong to mainland China. Okay, that's a huge rule. Those were the two. Self-governance, no extradition would be allowed to mainland China. And that was because the people of Hong Kong feared and well, given current situation, I think rightly so, that if they were extradited to China, to mainland China, they would face, uh, let's say, a less than judicious right, court system. Yeah. Right. They, they would not receive. They would not receive justice. Yeah. So and that makes sense. I mean, and, China, and entertainingly, you know. both these things come back to bite us now. Last yeah. year, really. Okay, so let's summarize the next twenty years really quickly. Hong um, Kong, Hong Kong has this brilliant infrastructure. They have Western rule. They, they have Western, Western legal system, essentially legal systems, um, and, all, and, and property ownership. The important thing is they have Western style property ownership. And also, they're kind of a side door into China yeah. for foreign direct investment. Yeah. So over the next 20 years, we see this huge pour of capital into Hong Kong. So, I mean, billions, trillions probably of dollars mm-hmm. pour into Hong Kong. I mean, you talk about- $68.4 billion of foreign direct investment in 2019, which was 34% less than 2018, which yeah, was but, $104 billion. But yeah. 2019, riots. But you also have to understand too, like from 97 until- 2016. You think about how much money was poured. I mean, that's so much opportunity for. Some, oh yeah, for you years. Know, so now you have this hub in China that can finance all these factories or this in hub in Hong Kong. Yeah, oh, you have all these, you have this finance this finance hub in Hong Kong that can finance all mm-hmm. these factories in China. You know, so then Nike builds factories there. Apple, Apple builds factories. Absolutely. I mean, all these people are outsourcing the labor in China. Hundreds of companies. Oh, I would say thousands. Not just American. No, just American. All all kinds of international firms are are moving move production into China, and they can do it because they're able to put their money in Hong Kong where it's safe. Yeah, and then it can get into China, an extremely lucrative market. So it's it's like essentially, I don't know if you've ever seen like those old. those old movies where like the bank is like the, the tellers behind bars and everything. So you, yeah. or maybe your bank is like that. You can't hurt the banker, but you, but you can still serve the, the community. And so that's kind of how that. Yeah. Uh, so you talk about China's GDP and like, you know, if you look at a chart of China's GDP in mean, the last 20 years, it's just this line huge going growth. straight up. It's like a freaking U curve. Oh, it's huge growth. Yeah. I mean, and if you really, if you take the technical factors, the Chinese economy should be larger than the US one in terms of GDP. Problem is there's so much corruption yeah. that it just, it, it just gets lost. Yeah, but like, you know, and I saw a stat the other day, not the other day, I saw it a while ago, but I think it was like Hong Kong is responsible for a fourth of China's GDP, right? So like, that doesn't sound wrong. I think it's that much. Uh, it's it's slowed down recently. It has by a lot, but for a while it was responsible for a fourth, and I think at the beginning it's probably responsible for a lot more than a fourth. Yes. So I, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Quote um, him, all of you. Quote him yeah, on that. Yeah. Actually, scream at me on Instagram if I'm way wrong. But uh, you know, we see this giant pour of capital going to China. China's GDP, China's economy, seemingly is doing extremely well. Fast forward to what year was it? 2016 or 2017? It was 2018. Um, 2018. 
2018. Early 2018. Okay. Early 2018. And I'm not going to say... Hit, well, well I, it, I, I will try. Who cares about his name? So uh, um, so a resident of Hong Kong... Vacations to <clears throat> Taiwan. Vacations to Taiwan with his pregnant girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She does not return. He returns to Hong Kong. She does not. He then tells the police in Hong Kong that he killed her while in Taiwan. She is dead. The police in Hong Kong cannot charge him. They're not responsible for... Because they're traditional. Well, no. You can't be charged for some for a crime outside of that jurisdiction. That's how it works. You have to be in the jurisdiction of the, right, cri- exactly. of the crime. And what they realize at this point is that there's no extradition in, gra- in place between Hong Kong and Taiwan. See, that's what, yeah. So they start to talk about one. And um, Beijing gets involved and they say, well... You can't have an extradition law with Taiwan unless China gets an extradition law with China, with Taiwan. Yeah. And then they slip in and with you. Yeah. And so you see at that point that- Well, and that, China that, has always felt like they still own Taiwan. Yes. So, uh, and my mom was born and raised in Taiwan. Taiwanese people do not want to be part of China. I can say that firsthand. And I can say firsthand from an old roommate of mine who is from mainland China told me, um, I said, well, what about the people of Taiwan who don't want to be part of China? He said, but they are. There was no, there, we no go. there was no, there was no, I don't care. It was just, they are, it's, it wasn't even a question. They are. And so that sets off a series of riots because the pro Beijing well, party, well, the pro Beijing party in charge of Hong Kong put the law up. They put it up. They put up the ability for China to extradite for Be- for Beijing, for mainland China to extradite from Hong Kong. But didn't China want, you know, as part of this extradition law. They, they wanted to just, you know, hey, screw 2047. Let's just, let's just integrate you right now. Well, the problem is the second they can extradite people from Hong Kong to mainland China, they don't need to worry about 2047. They, they don't need to change anything. If you're it's a political already- dissenter, they just grab you. Yeah. It's, you don't have to take complete control to, to be in control. If people are afraid to defy you, you may be de facto in control without being de jour in control, right? Yeah. To use to use expressions, um, you may be in, China would be Beijing would be in control. In fact, if not in precedence, no. right. So that is what set off the beginning of the riots. Okay. Well, so that well, well, start, wasn't there a vote on, in February of 2019. Wasn't there a vote on whether or not Hong Kong should just be part of China? Um, no. There wasn't a vote so much as there was. I thought that was the main motive of the protest was we don't want to be part of China. Well, they don't. And no, there wasn't a vote to be part of China. It was a vote to allow extradition. And Hong Kong people don't want that. Absolutely not. Because then then if China, if mainland China decides they've violated a law, they can just say, hey, we request you extradite. Hong Kong will. And then, um, so why couldn't they just vote on whether or not you could be extradited to Taiwan? Uh, they if are if they're technically so, so there, right? so there are like, the way that the Hong Kong legislature is built up is um, is very bizarre. And I used to know a little bit more about it, but it is a, it's a strange like there's there's blocks of power, and so there's a pro Beijing block and an anti Beijing block, yeah. and then there's a business block, and the business block does what's in their best interests, generally speaking. But the pro Beijing block, they don't think they need to. Another issue that Beijing tried was they said, oh, yeah, you can have democracy. We'll pick the candidates that are running. Yeah. So that was a big one when they said, yeah, it doesn't oh, sound well, democratic at all. It's not. It's <laughs> not. It's, it's very, yeah. it was very much. They just said, oh, yeah, you could, you guys can vote. Like, but the five people running will be people picked by Beijing. And it's like, well, that's not how that works. Right. Yeah. But Beijing doesn't care. Beijing is more than happy to give you the the appearance 
of democracy as long as they know they're actually in control. Yeah. So that so that was one of the other issues. They were protesting against that. They protest against the extradition bill. They were protesting um, basically kind of this realization now that um, that it, it's really been it's been 20 years essentially since China got control uh-huh. and Beijing is no longer waiting till 2047. They're just going to do it now. Is, is it looks like they're just trying to do it now. So, and Hong Kong doesn't want that. So it, it'll be very interesting to see kind of what happens. Yeah, and the reason um, why we're talking about this is because we we've noticed over the last couple of weeks. Like Mnuchin's talking about banning TikTok because TikTok is a Chinese-run company. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about banning it in the U.S. You know, we we saw some stuff from Huawei. Huawei, right? well, Huawei's there. Uh, that the company. UK lifted the ban on Huawei, so now you, English people can do business with Huawei now. Yeah, but um, the but in the U.S., Huawei can't do business. You can't. You're de- yeah, it's gone. Um, and when Trump um, tried to kind of walk that back on a few other Chinese firms that were in telecoms, you know, combined House and Republican Senate agreed. So a bipartisan vote was no. You as the president of the United States do not have the right to overcome a legislative smackdown of a foreign firm, yeah. no matter the reason. The interesting thing, though, is um, the UK has flat out said now that they will offer sanctuary to any Hong Kong citizens born prior to 1997. Really? I think that's about 3 million people. Have other people stepped on board with that? Or is that just... So Canada Canada has, okay. a while that, that ago, kind so of opened sense. up yeah. a lot of their willingness to, to bring in Hong Kong yeah. citizens. That's a very Canadian move. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, well, well you, what you notice is that the common Commonwealth does that a lot because they understand that most of these people speak English. They're usually very well educated. And so yeah. it's one of these things where it goes, well, we're going to see a talent increase here. We're going to see a wealth increase here because right, they're going to yeah. bring their money. Well, you don't them. move to a new country unless you have the means to. Exactly. You know? Or unless you desperately need to, right? So yeah. it's one of two groups of people. And generally speaking, if you're making yeah, this offer. you don't offer, go to Canada from Hong Kong unless you have the means. Like you go to. Yeah. Correct. Like in India you go or to something. Vietnam or something. You, yeah, don't end up, you don't end up in Canada. You don't end up in New Zealand, Australia. You don't end up in Singapore, yeah. UK. Yeah, the, poor, the poor Hong Kong people are going to end up well, just in the So I forget what it, what it was. I mean, I want to say it was 100,000 people. But the number of people that moved to New Zealand uh, was absolutely massive in, um, 90, in 1997 or just before then. Because they, they didn't want to be... Subject to Beijing. Yeah. So this is interesting. So this one with Boris Johnson's offer and entitles nearly 3 million. And what it'll, what it'll do essentially is there, I think the plan as I read it is they'll move. If they move to the UK, they can live there as resident aliens for five years. Yeah. At the end of that five years, be granted full citizenship. Oh, okay. Wow. That's And nice. so you'll see a certain amount of wealth and other things leave Hong Kong at that time. Yeah. Um, well, the other ones is, your, I think the other issue, the reason we talk about Hong Kong so much is that- Well, because uh, I want to talk about the index, the, the stock index. Mm-hmm. There's okay. a Shanghai index and there's an HSI. Yep. Right. I think you and I both know that the Shanghai index is not very reliable. And what are their what are their Chinese indexes there? It's a, it's the Shanghai HSI and Shenzhen. Which is that Korean? Shenzhen SE Composite. No, the Shenzhen's Chinese. Yeah, it's also Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the Hang Seng index is the Hong Kong index, and it's probably the only accurate one. So the, the Shenzhen problem is index is, is like the Chinese tech index. Yeah, it's, it's similar like what is it Nasdaq for us? Yeah, it's like the Nasdaq for us, and then there's the Shanghai index, which is like the NYSE of China. Yeah, of it's, Shanghai. it's the Shanghai Stock Exchange essentially. Right. But what we're dealing with is this. Um, you can't necessarily trust the. Chi- I mean, not I suppose given the current actions, can you really trust the U.S. stock markets given just the sheer amount of government assistance being? Well, as far as in? economic indicators go, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, when it's functioning properly, without government interference, it's much more accurate. But the problem is, this is the first time I've ever had to sit here and say like the government's really interfering with yeah. how the markets should respond. Which is yeah, why, but, if you're invested, yeah, you're fine. You're but, fine. But let's, but let's keep it depends on China. But so. in China. The markets have never been anything but. I remember 
was it three, four years ago? The Chinese markets just absolutely tanked and they took the globe with them. Yeah. And um, the Chinese government or Beijing didn't, Beijing just went in and bailed it out. They just went, oh, fuck it. We can't, we can't have people. Kind of the explanation was we can't have people losing their savings in a stock market crash. And I was like, that's legitimately what a stock market. That's what like, happens when the stock market crashes. That's a stock crashes. market crash. You can't have, this isn't a savings account, folks. Yeah. This isn't a savings pool. This, this is, is equity. This is, you're, you're, you're buying something that might fail. There is risk. Yeah. You can't FDIC a stock exchange. Yeah. Well, you can apparently, but you, you shouldn't. No, but that, but that's you know the Chinese indices. They're they're. Yeah. I think what was it in billions? He said they're like a pig on LSD. You never know which way they're going to run. Yeah. So the the HSI, like what's involved in the HSI, is that kind of like the the S and P of of Asia? Or is no, it just, just it's, like, so it's the biggest companies in Hong Kong. Oh, so, so it's market capitalization weighted stock market so closer to the Dow. Does it include any Chinese, strictly Chinese companies? Or oh, it'll it, have a few. Um, it, it'll have to have a few. But yeah. it'll be, it's the big players in Hong Kong and it's it's weighted similar to the Dow. Oh, wow. So that sounds pretty Because the Hang, so let's put it this way, the Hang Seng is at 26,095 points. That's where it closed. Or that's where oh, it that is as of this moment. Very similar to the Dow. And that's that's very top heavy, it seems like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the specific thing you read here. Market yeah. capitalization weighted. Yeah. So market cap weight. There are some interesting questions, though, because we, we see people, well, you have corporate citizenship and you have companies that decide whether or not they want to invest in certain places and whether or not they want to be headquartered certain places. So the big thing that I predicted when I was predicting gloom and doom with Aaron yeah. at the end of last year, in the, the end of last year, before we knew what COVID, before we before COVID had a name, yeah. we were talking and he said, what do you think? The causation of the global economic downturn. We were Because we were already looking at a slowdown at that point yeah. in the year. So we were, we're looking at an economic cause slowdown. global economic downturn was what we, and, we um, talked about. We were kind of, that's, uh, so those of you from the first episodes, you might remember, I'm the, I'm, the funny thing is, guys, I don't think I'm a bear on markets. No. I just think there's a lot of bullshit right now and that we need to like cut through it and be like, okay, folks, let's let's get the let's get the, the shits out, <laughs> open the window, let's deal with what is, not what we wish was. Yeah. And I said there were three things that could tank markets globally and turns two, out i was wrong because there were um no there was, was brexit is brexit brexit a, uh, a bad brexit bad brexit with northern ireland and all that yeah uh, with a, a bad brexit with the devolution of the uk yes. okay but was that's one not, that's, that's another episode uh, uh-huh. hong kong going absolutely tits up like yeah like, but like tits china, up because of the extradition bill. Chi- the chinese chinese china actually taking complete control of hong kong yeah going in hard and putting it down hard and just like hey you're china yeah now. yeah absolutely okay your pat your oh your hong kong passport worthless yeah. You are now a citizen of the People's Republic of China. Uh, that was two. And three, I think, was um, the trade war intensifying. Yeah. It w- was the trade war intensifying. And little did we all know, I was going to be fucking wrong. It was going to be COVID-19. COVID, yeah. <laughs> anyways, so let's, uh, let's, let's tie a bow on this one real quick and talk about what would happen if Hong Kong is, bam, all of a sudden China goes in hard and, hey, you are now a part of the People's Republic of China. Okay. So you've got now a and lot we, of- we, we kind of already know, but yeah. Anyways. But the thing is, if you if you have twenty years, you can start pulling your wealth out slowly and mm-hmm. moving it to. It costs less money to pull wealth out on a twenty year timeline than it does in five minutes. If you can pull it out, yeah, like that. So that's the big one: is can you pull it out like that? And but the answer can, is odds are you can't. Yeah, the answer is no, or not without taking a, a severe loss. And that's just on assets. Like so your buildings, so your buildings are fucked. You're never gonna like. So your office yeah. buildings there, it's whatever. It's owned by the, it's owned by the state. Owned by the new state. It's theoretically owned by the new yeah. state in a worst case scenario. So the so the which I don't think the Chinese would do. But here's the issue: say that all the companies in Hong Kong decide tomorrow that, that China comes in tomorrow at end of business and says, "Welcome to our country." This is now the People's Republic of China. This Hong Kong is no more. They disband the government and they impose Chinese law, mainland law. 
the issue now is the first question I suppose is can we get our wealth out? Yeah. And if the answer to that was yes, if the answer is no, then you have a global economic crash because Absolute suddenly hits up. because because suddenly these markets go. Everyone's sitting. You know, if we thought Wirecard's two point one billion, and I have to apologize to EY Germany uh, oh, yeah, by the way, but I'll do that on the end of the episode. I'll fit. I'll finish that one at the end of the episode. And I'll explain why. But then they go sits up because suddenly all the wealth that's there, all the money that's there, isn't anymore. Finished, it's yeah. now you have to now mark a massive loss on your books because it was nationalized. Yeah. If you can't get it out, if you can get it out, next question is. Where do you put it? Because there is no, the amount of wealth there, there's nowhere to put it. You can't put it everywhere else. You yeah. can, there's no single place that can absorb it all. And if you try to spread it everywhere. It'll cost too much money. It's still going to, well, it's still going to, it's just going to inflate markets. Like you couldn't. But it'll still also cost too much money. Yeah, I mean, you can't. Now, you, now you're buying up new buildings and you're, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you can't, you can't move it all into Singapore. Singapore just doesn't, it's not. There's no room for that. Big enough. It doesn't have, it doesn't have the, the room for that. You can't move it into Japan, all into Japan. You spread it around the world and you still, there's still probably not enough yeah. room so you, to I mean, do it all at but, once. Yeah, but then you're talking about them scrambling. Scrambling to mm-hmm. Indonesia, Malaysia, New Zealand, Australia, Japan, South Korea. Yeah. One that'll take forever. Like that'll take, that'll take so long. To oh do. yeah. The, the, it, if we thought that like the two months of like COVID shutdown was bad or the three, six weeks of COVID shutdown was bad. Imagine six months of just pure economic disruption because... Because it's, not, it's for, not that the phone isn't ringing, it's that there's no one there to answer the phone. Yeah, and then it's like people asking each other for loans, assistance, all that kind of stuff to set up new mm-hmm. company infrastructure in another country so you can try to salvage and then, it. And, and, and then here's the next one. Now you have to figure out work visas for everyone in their new place. Yeah. The tax laws in the new place, housing for all your employees in a new place, getting them, getting their families there, getting their families enrolled in school there, yeah, getting insurance exactly. if necessary in these places. You know, a move is really easy if you've got time to, let's put it this way. A wedding is very easy, I think, if you've got a year or two to plan it. A shotgun wedding, I'm, I would give to believe, would be a little stressful and not just because of the shotgun. Yeah, right? the you, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, trying to organize a wedding at the last minute and not just do the courthouse would be yeah. a nightmare. I, I, and I think now we're starting to see, because the amount of contributions to China's GDP that Hong Kong is putting out is slowing down drastically. And I feel like part of that is probably because people are like, 2047 might happen sooner. Than well, exactly right. 2047, it ain't, 20, it ain't as far away as it used yeah. to be. And even if it does happen in 2047, we need to get our guns ready, get ready to move out, unless there's still those corporations that are like banking on hope that China just goes, you know what? Maybe this isn't working. Maybe we should adopt Western views and Western cultures and Western governance and be a little bit more capitalist. So we're already starting to see it. I think, I think the, the, the extremely wealth, the wealthy in Hong Kong are already starting to, um, are already starting to move assets overseas. Thing is they're bypassing the U S um, they're not coming here though. They're leaving Hong Kong. They're not coming here. And it's well, like, it's tough to get in. To not when you're rich. It's not tough to do anything when you're rich. Yeah. It's, it's that they don't want to be here. Really? Political, inst- political instability in this country is pretty bad. I wouldn't want to be here either. If I, could, if I, if I had the money, I'd leave it in U.S. markets, but I'd, I'd, I would, if you're going to go somewhere, you want to go somewhere that's stable and where you can expect consistency. So not in like we're going to break up or devolve into like chaos. It's just, it's just put the actual politics. You don't yeah. know where this country is going to go. Well, I also kind of blame the two-party system, but I don't know what other system to adopt. Well, so. a parliamentary system would be very interesting to me. I think it'd be very entertaining to see the president go down to the House, to the House and answer questions once a week or once a month. Granted, the prime minister is a little different in the 
UK, beyond but it, just like but it'd be very beyond a press briefing where he actually <laughs> where he is where he is required to answer questions of because if he's going to be the head of government, he he should go down there and talk right. to them. But it'd be, it'd be, I mean, it'd be very funny. Politics, but, well, prime minister's know. questions is one of my favorite things out of the UK yeah. since like tea. No, who am I kidding? Beer. No, since Pink Floyd. Beer came first. Yeah, but Pink Floyd also came out of the UK, and I like Prime Minister's questions became came out before Pink Floyd. Yeah, but I like Pink Floyd more than all those things. More than beer, dude. If I had to choose between giving up beer or Pink Floyd music, you still got liquor. I guess you'll be fine. Scotch. So, you know, yeah. Fair enough. I understand your point, although... So, yeah. Okay. It's not even an afterthought. It's just like, choose one or the other, Pink Floyd. Even in Led Zeppelin, dude. Freaking Led Zeppelin, Eric Clapton, the second half of Jimi Hendrix's career, you know? Like, you know, gosh, I'm just saying. But yeah, so I, you know, I think, you know, to really tie a bow on this, I grew up in a Chinese house, right? I'm Chinese. My last name is Wong. What? W. Yeah. You couldn't see it in my face? Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, and my parents kept saying, you need to really sharpen up your Chinese skills because in 50 years, Chinese is going to be the most important language in the world. Everyone's like, look at China's GDP. It's going up like crazy, all that kind of stuff. And I don't believe, I don't, I don't discredit the fact that Chinese is going to be a really spread out language, especially once you see this flood of Hong Kong citizens going all over the world. Well, they all speak English too. I know they do. That's what I'm, but they also speak Chinese. But generally it's not Mandarin, is it? It's it's probably Cantonese. It's Cantonese, yeah. Hong Kong, yeah. But if you speak Cantonese. Just, that's the funny thing. Everyone's like, oh, you should speak Chinese. And I was like, that's, nope. Yeah. Try again. Mandarin, Cantonese, what? Like, yeah, exactly. So my parents are like, you need to sharpen up your Chinese skills because of China's extremely fast growing GDP. And I'm like, now I'm looking at it and it's like, well, if Hong Kong becomes a part of China and China doesn't change their ways, how important is it really to know how to speak Chinese? Perhaps know? my view on this is based on two things. One, the idea of American exceptionalism, which... I'll be honest, it's not always a good thing because some of the Americans I've met and sometimes I have also been one of the Americans that is exceptionally stupid. Yeah, well, um, I, I am that all the time. So. <sighs> no, you're not. But but uh, yes, but am. also the, the leftovers of being um, someone who is raised by people who were raised in the British Commonwealth. Yeah. Beijing thinks, it, the Chinese government thinks in 10, 20, 50, 100 year increments. They don't, they don't think in six months, four years. It's too short. They, they have a yeah. very long time horizon. I think the problem is they have so many people that while they have a great GDP, their GDP per capita is not Tiny. fantastic. It and sucks. There's over a billion And if there. we look at what drives a major economy, it's consumption. It's always consumption. Uh, John Oliver said it best in one of his stand-up bits, and he said he was walking through a mall and he saw a um, an inflatable barbecue, yeah. and he stopped moving. And then he stopped and he said, he said, you know, could China? He said there's three things. Let's ask ourselves a question: Is China going to become the next world John power? John Oliver's hilarious. And he yeah. goes, and this is you know one of his best better stands up, um, better uh, his original stand up, but he still had bangs. And he says, when could, he still was doing stand up, but didn't have his own show before, you know, long before then. Yeah, 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 he was still on the Daily Show. And he um he says he says could um he said could China design an inflatable barbecue? Yes. Could China manufacture an inflatable barbecue? Yes. And they do it cheaply. Could the people of China decide for themselves to buy an inflatable barbecue? And his, and his punchline is, there is no fucking way. When push comes to shove, they just don't have it there. And, and everyone, oh, he's, like, he's like, in many ways, that's a compliment. 
<laughs> because it is a stupid, stupid thing. Yeah. An inflatable barbecue. Okay, well, let's let's wrap up this China thing real quick. Sure. So, point is, everybody, brace yourself for 2047. Unless something- Jesus, majorly... folks, brace yourself for the second half of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. But, uh, unless China has a coming to Jesus moment and all that, like we mentioned earlier, we're going to see this slow burning capital flight out of, I'm guessing, out of Hong Kong. That's my guess. It's, I think, it's, it's slow burning I think it's already flight. started. Yeah. And that's what I said earlier too, like, you know, the slowing GDP contributions to China that Hong Kong is now producing it's I think well one the protests have kind of opened up everyone's eyes like okay 27 2047 is close yeah it's 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 essentially at this point it's within our lifetimes yeah so now these firms are you know if you're gonna be a CEO of a company for the next 25 years you're gonna you're bracing yourself for 2047 you know especially an international firm uh, we also should tie a bow on the EY thing real quick. So. That's right. Okay. Yeah. No. So EY Germany. Um, my apologies. I think I was a little hard on you last week, and then I kept reading what was being published <laughs> this week. As it turns out, the COO of Wirecard. Um, no one knows where he is. His phone's disconnected. He pissed off to maybe the Philippines, but then it turns out well, the, yeah, that the entry and exit documents to the Philippines were fraudulent. Were so fake. those guys are those guys are fired. Yeah. And so here's all I can think. And on top of this, the CEO was in charge of like the the Asian division. So like all this fall, all this missing money, or perhaps never existed money, was under his purview. Yeah. So it was supposed to come from Asia, but it never showed up. Well, maybe it never it was. Lost in the mail. Yeah. It's and so it's this. It turns out so this this whole thing broke out. I thought it was that just suddenly someone realized and blew the whistle on based on the articles I was reading on the fact that this money was missing. Turns out what happened is Ernst and Young refused to sign off on the financials yep. for 2019. They said, <laughs> no, 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 no. And on top of that, um, if anyone really thinks about like, oh, we should sue Ernst and Young, we should form a class action. You might consider the idea that um, Wirecard owned a bank. It had a bank. And the German and the and, the, and the German bank regulating authority didn't catch it either. Yeah. So clearly, clearly, this is what this wasn't. You know, as I said, as I may have suggested or intimated, this wasn't a um, a, a misconduct. Probably on the hands of or on the on the behalf of Ernst Young, it looks like there was a very systemic and very elaborate fraud being perpetrated yeah. by Wirecard. Educated guess was Wirecard banking with itself. Honestly, because you can't do that in Germany, right? I don't. I don't know German banking regulation. What I, my guess is no, because, they, well, if they were, they weren't doing it out of the Asia group because we would have of seen, course, yeah. we would have seen a trail of that. And so it's, it's just, I don't know what they were doing and well, turns out. Wrap, yeah. Well, to wrap that subject up, basically Ernst & Young is still going to be one of the big, I think, the, I think they'll survive this. That being said, we definitely need to agree. I think we should all agree after last week that it's very important that the, um, the referees be on side and be independent and be impartial Absolutely. and the referees be not be consulting. Yeah, yeah. Not be, not, not also be the coaching staff of a given not, team. I mean, not, not as in not be consulting conclusively. Yeah. Like, but, but not they, be consulting they, they, a firm that you're also auditing. Yeah. So. No, they, that it's important that the referees be impartial. Yeah. So with that said, uh, we got to wrap up one quick shout out to a podcast. There's a new podcast in our network. What? Yeah. The podcast is called. Spoiler, they smoke. I wish. Uh, no, but <laughs> Maybe that's uh, our next podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe that is our next podcast. No, the, this podcast is called Cat, Catobophobia. Catobophobia. Go on. It, it's a real thing. It's a real phobia. Yeah, well, what is it? It's a fear of losing muscle. That ship sailed for me a long time ago. I don't have it. I have it because my brother's a powerlifter. My twin brother's a powerlifter. It's okay, guys. Like, Aaron sits here and he, you know, as you may or may not have noticed from the video, Aaron's pretty fucking swole. Uh, no, I, uh, anyways, so, you know, my brother is a physical therapy student. He's a competitive powerlifter. And he loves this stuff. So we have a new podcast in our network that's about, I think, strength 
like strength training and all that kind of stuff. That's awesome. How it's good for you. Like a lot of people think powerlifting and deadlifting is bad for your back. Science, it doesn't have to be. Science has debunked that 100%. Deadlifting is amazing for your back. Squatting is amazing for your back. It can be. Actually, you, you build the muscles. No, it's, yeah, actually, I mean, it's not that it can be. It is. It's well, scientifically If you, if you proven, do it right. It's, yeah, it's scientifically proven that, you know, think about it. Is a strong yeah. is a strong back good or a weak back good? Strong, strong back good. How yeah. do you strengthen your back? Deadlift. So well, yeah. You know. I'm just saying you have to do it right. If you're doing it wrong, that's you gotta, it. It's, you, like, it's like those guys you see that are like, uh, but if you have a hump, like, if, the, like the really like the really shitty yeah, like but even uh, if you bench have, press, even if you deadlift with the hunched back, it's still better than not deadlifting at all. Sure, you know. I oh, mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. be careful. Keep your core tight. Yeah, 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 and 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 keep your weights manageable. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, like it's okay, folks. One day I'm gonna be in one of these videos, and you're gonna go, uh, "What the fuck does he know about the gym?" I I used to be a rugby player, not fat. Yeah. See, the thing is, yeah, I used to be a rugby player. I kept I kept drinking like I'm I I keep drinking like i'm still practicing but i'm not yeah <laughs> like my brother does all this research on this stuff so he like tells me like why do you deadlift heavy because if in the off chance you have to pick up a 200 pound object if you can deadlift 500 pounds picking up a 200 pound object would be easier for you if you could deadlift 500 pounds versus if you can only deadlift 300 pounds yeah right so, and, and, and chances are you probably only need it for a moment so it's just like right bah. exactly so it's like you know that that's his logic like you know when i have to pick up kegs here stuff like that oh like, yeah i feel like if i didn't power lift picking up kegs would be an insanely stressful thing for know? me like, this is what bothers me about the kegs so i i do still have strong legs guys it's just <laughs> i've gotten a little soggy around the midsection beer and whiskey will do that yes, it will. um and has done uh no for me i always kind of like i get i get my hand you know, obviously in the handles and then yeah. lift with my legs yeah but anyways uh catabophobia c-a-t-o-b-o-p-h-o-b-i-a New podcast on our network. It's a guy that messaged us on Instagram saying he's a fan of our show and wants to join our network. That's how you join our network. So if you're one of those people, yeah. message us. I'll get you set up in the network. Yeah, well, you can. You so, too can join the Creative Brain Candy family. Yeah. So welcome to the network. Uh, shout out to your show. Um, you know, I have yet to listen to it, but I will listen to it because I'm interested. I'm so. also going to listen to it. I think we should also message him. I've heard rumors that a beer immediately after working out Helps rebuild muscle. Replenishing carbs. Helps, being helps, helps rebuild your muscle mass faster. And when I say beer, I don't mean Bud Light. No, 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 no. Not that light shit. I mean like a beer, a Murphy's, a Guinness, a, a, a stout, a good, a, you know, a, a, a big boy, like a, a full a body Chimay. beer. Yeah, yeah. Just well, throw Chimay in there. Oof. Throw Trappist beer in there. Why boy, not? Uh, boy, and that's whew, and we're sporty too. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, Absolutely. And. Uh, Seriously, if you have anything to say to us, I'm all ears at Drunkonomical. I'm also all ears. Aaron's also fingers. He's the one usually responding to you. Yeah, uh, it, it goes back and forth. But you know what? This week, I'm going to, um, This is, I promise, after this episode airs, <laughs> so Thursday to next Monday, if you message us, I will I will answer you. James will answer. I will answer. James is the smart I one. Don't, I, wouldn't go, I would say I'm the one who, uh, what was it? My uh, I've had a few instructors, a few professors in the past tell me I have implied... Um, Oh, fuck, I forgot it. Well, well, it'll come back to you after I've, I've implied next... expertise because I just sound confident. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. This was the... So, yeah. If you have anything to say, at Uncle, D-R-U-N-K-U-N-O-M-I-C-A-L. That's us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We also have Patreon, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot C-O-M slash Drunkonomics. If you want to donate to us for whatever reason, feel free. We do have patrons now. We also which, we also accept. We love you very much, and we do. We appreciate every penny, and we also accept um, your patronage in the form of liquor, yeah, so or beer. Chase, 
Thank you so much for, Chase, for the yeah, bottles of liquor, fantastic. man. Seriously, they're delicious. Oh yeah, they are delicious. I should Here, say. I mean, let's just put it this way, Chase. Yeah, there you go. Um, also, merch. Uh, go to creativebraincandy.com and uh, go to the top. Look for left, the logo. Yeah, go to the top left corner. Click merch, and then scroll down. Click Drunkonomics, and then that's our. Here's merch. Here's the one thing I don't want you folks to do. Don't get the medium when you need a large, like Aaron did. He looks hey, swole. Hey, dude. That's a large. <laughs> I ordered a large. I'm fucking with you, man. Anyways. No, you, you folks look as good as us. We have yeah. all kinds of we shit. We have shirts. We have hoodies. We have scars, water, water bottles. Water coffee bottles, mugs. Mugs, dude. You can we have dog bandanas, I think. Yeah, well, we they're optional. Have, I don't know if they're yeah, actually they in print hats. right now. Dude, oh, like, yeah. honestly, like, and one of these days we'll get whiskey glasses, man. So you can be real oh, drunk and alcohol. Oh, shit. Yeah. The, the second so, that happens, dude, it's... We've arrived. Have, yeah. We've arrived. We've arrived. Yeah. So with that said, uh, what else do we have? What was I going to say? You remember what I was going to say? Oh, yeah. I, I have a secret suspicion. Stay drunk on uncle, my friends. Cheers.